Welcome one and all to episode 116 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, it's June, but it's college football preview time as we try to get through, well, the five main conferences over the next month and a half and bring you some of the group of five as well. So we can give you guys all a overview of the uh, upcoming 2021 college football season um which should be a lot of fun uh there's a lot of unknown this year and the unknown makes the playoffs that more intriguing because you've got so many teams that really have a good shot this year it doesn't feel like it's just clemson and alabama and Ohio State, and then a fourth team. But it feels like, really, you know, anybody from the SEC or the Big Ten could compete this year. Um, Maybe not the ACC because they're still down a little bit. But who knows with North Carolina if they can overcome Clemson. But we start our college football preview with the SEC, the powerhouse, um, the, the conference that really runs all of college football. And we're going to look at the SEC preview, the teams. We're going to use the Athlon Guide um, to kind of go through our, our order. This isn't an order that we're necessarily picking teams to finish in, but we're just going to use the Athlon Guide to kind of make it easy so everybody can follow along at home if they so choose. Uh, but, Justin, before we get started, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get into the college football previews. We're going to be previewing, like Seth said, all the big conferences and the group of five. And uh, if you do want to learn more about our college football final four predictions, we actually did a show on June 10th that's posted on our Patreon, the original draft breakdown podcast on Patreon. That was back on June 10th. For two bucks a month, you can get access to all of our bonus shows. So that one back then, we gave our college football final four predictions and we talked about the heisman trophy odds so uh, check out that show and all of our other bonus shows so we want to start with the sec because i mean the sec is that's the big boys of college football i mean every year so we you can almost pencil in one sec team you well you can at this point pencil in one sec team into the college football playoff per year sometimes two so this might be a year where we see two, or it might be a year where we just see a surprise one getting left out. Um, again, I'm teasing that prediction show that we did. But we're going to start with the SEC East. And again, this order is per Athlon's uh, magazine. We didn't predict this order. We didn't get that deep into it. But uh, in the East, you got Georgia coming in as the top team in the SEC East. And really, it makes sense. Because they've got Clemson in week one, and Clemson's breaking in a new starting quarterback. And after that, they have a pretty clear shot to get to the SEC championship game. They have a pretty favorable schedule going through there. Uh, The one thing I I thought was very interesting about Georgia is only three returning starters on the entire defense. So they do have quarterback JT Daniels coming back. They have running back Zamir White. They've got a couple receivers, Kiaris Jackson, George Pickens. We don't know if he's going to play at all this year. He's been banged up. 
uh, with the ACL injury. He's probably on track for a late, late season comeback, if at all. But they do have weapons and linemen on offense coming back, but only three starters on defense. Yeah, and you mentioned Pickens. He could be a massive, uh, you know, comeback story if if he is able to come back. And I believe it was an ACL, correct? Yeah, that's right. He he tore his ACL in March during spring ball, and but we are uh, you seeing know, six, we are seeing seven and eight month returns from that now. If it's just a clean ACL, we don't know. Yeah, we know he whole, had surgery. We do know he had surgery. Yeah. If we're being optimistic, he's probably you're probably looking at an SEC championship game return. On a, that's probably like a just about a nine under a nine month timetable. But you have to imagine even at that point he'd be limited. So I think it's re- very iffy if Pickens plays uh, this season or maybe even at, at, in college again at all. It'll be interesting with Georgia because, like you said, the strength of the team has been the Bulldogs' defense, and Kirby Smart's done a great job recruiting there. Uh, but they graduated, uh, not just pure graduation, but left for the, the NFL draft, a ton of talent, um, especially on the back end of the defense where they basically lost their top five guys. And it's... It's going to be interesting to see if Kirby Smart is able to get that defense up to speed fast enough. Where you mentioned it, Clemson obviously week one's a big game, but that's not going to change the trajectory of what they do in the SEC. Um, and if they run the table in the SEC, they go to the SEC championship game. They're playing a one game play in basically for a college football playoff spot. Exactly. Uh, but, so that Clemson but, game, even if they lose it, it's it's not going to mean anything if they run through. But is he going to be able to get the defense up to speed early in the season for them to, in October and especially November, you know, compete in the SEC? That's what this is all about. The reason this is not as big of a deal as it normally would be is because you look at the SEC East this year and – you are not intimidated. Florida is the number two team coming in the SEC East, and they, like Georgia, are hurting from just talent attrition. I mean, they lost two guys in the first round in Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney um, to the NFL draft. They lost their quarterback, who was a Heisman you know, hopeful last year. This Florida team is kind of the mirror image of Georgia just on the offensive side of the ball, right? Yeah, they're breaking in Emory Jones. Will be He'll be their new starting quarterback. and who's a big recruit, but he's a different type of quarterback than Kyle Trask, obviously. And um, you mentioned the guys they lost from their with Pitts and Tony. They also lost uh, Trayvon Grimes. And uh, they do bring back... They're senior running backs. They've got a senior running back duo. And they've got some really good receivers coming through, but they're going to have to be, or at least some really good prospects at receiver coming up through the ranks, but they're going to have to have breakout seasons like Tony did last year to become factors. Justin Shorter is probably one of the bigger names uh, in that core. 
he was a transfer. He was a big time recruit, and he's transferred in from Penn State. So, Florida, um, they don't have the favorable schedule that Georgia does, but they they do have to face Alabama before a potential SEC championship game. However, they get that game at home in the swamp for the first time since 2011. That's pretty incredible to me. Uh, it's been 10 years since they got Alabama in a home game. So um, next up in this division, and this is why we, we're talking about Missouri kind of cakewalking their way into I – mean, this is why we're talking about Georgia, I mean, kind of cakewalking their way into – the NSEC championship matchup because uh, Missouri is, is Athlon's third best team in this division. And I don't think Missouri really strikes a ton of fear in anyone's hearts. I think they're going to be a maybe a seven or eight win team, which would be solid, but unspectacular. They have a sophomore quarterback who, uh, you know, will go into his second year as a starter. Miss, Missouri has four of their five starting offensive linemen coming back which is good. They have a senior running back in uh, Tyler Batty. And then they have a new defensive coordinator this year, Seth, a familiar name to both of us, Mr. Steve Wilkes. So what do you think about Mizzou this year? Steve Wilkes is a misunderstood guy. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> Can he do better in college than what we've seen out of his last couple pro stints? I honestly don't know if his if – his, demeanor works in college we'll find out he's kind of a a hard-ass type of guy and you know it, it'll be interesting if if he's able to make it work um you know i don't want to spoil football. our i don't want to spoil our patron episode this week but they've got some talent to work with along the front seven and uh and wilkes is has not been a deterrent to guys uh, st- sticking around to try and and continue with Missouri's reputation for, you know, producing NFL defensive linemen. So that's something to consider, I think. Yeah, and they have an interesting offensive skill team between, like you said, Beatty and and, and, um, they've got, you know, some interesting weapons. I just, like you said, this is a, man, (laughs) this is a, it, it looks like a, it's Georgia's division to run away with. Um, from there, you go to Kentucky. They're bringing in a new starting quarterback, Will Levis, um, who was really you know brought in by the new offense coordinator, uh, Liam Cohen. Is and by the way, can we just take a second that Kentucky is number four and. We haven't mentioned a blue blood and a team that is supposed to be pretty, pretty good in in South Carolina. Like, how? What the hell's going on in the SEC? Just... <laughs> and and I actually like Kentucky. I think more than I like Missouri, to tell you the truth, um, because of the talent that they have. Um, but it never seems to pay off. But Will Levis, he transfers in from from Penn State. And if you look back at Penn State playing Ohio State last year, Will Levis was the only uh, factor that that uh, allowed Penn State to move the ball in that last matchup. So uh, Levis, he's got a, a strong arm, and he's a more athletic guy than uh, you would think for a guy his size. 
So he's an intriguing player to me. I know he, he got kind of hyped up a little bit by Bruce Feldman because Levis has been working with this this uh, quarterback mechanics guru. So to be when Penn State brought him in, he was there to kind of run, do a lot of quarterback running. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't thought of as this great passer, but now he's working on his, his game to drop back and, and uh, sling it. So interesting to see that along with another Big Ten transfer, Wandale Robinson, who's coming in from Nebraska. He was a big-time recruit for them. He was a big get. He goes now to Kentucky. He's going to focus, from what I understand, he's going to focus more on playing receiver. Those guys are intriguing to me as, long, as well as the running back, uh, Martinez, that they have. As uh, let, let me make sure I got that. I, I'm sorry, Chris Rodriguez Jr. I, I screwed that up. Chris Rodriguez Jr. coming back for Kentucky as well. So they've got some some weapons on offense, and I think – they look more promising to me than Mizzou. Following Kentucky is Tennessee, who's on, I think, I believe their 32nd head coach in the last three <laughs> years. It's um, a familiar but, name this time. Yeah, Josh Heupel gets a shot uh, to take over the Tennessee Volunteers. We've been waiting patiently to see what when this kind of old powerhouse gets back to it and they've got some talent this year but you have you feel like this is close as close to rock bottom as it's going to get they they only had two players drafted in the 2021 nfl draft which is kind of mind-boggling right for for tennessee uh but that's just you know kind of where they fall into in their as they've fallen down the um or falling by the wayside. So you look at it; they've got some, they've got some talent uh, returning, um, but they're going to have to figure out the the quarterback situation, and that's between you know Virginia Tech transfer Hinton Hooker and then and and then Harrison Bailey. Um, are I mean, do either of these guys really strike fear and? in the hearts of SEC uh, opponents? I mean, I don't think strike fear, but um, Bailey was a pretty big-time recruit coming out, and Hendon Hooker had definitely had some moments at Virginia Tech where he looked like a promising prospect. I was, I was surprised when he transferred because I thought he played well for them at, at times, and uh, that they're not the Virginia Tech of old, you know. They're not the the Frank Beamer Virginia Tech powerhouse teams that used to run roughshod through that conference. But um, another name to throw in there, and I, he's not on the roster yet, but he's expected to join the team is uh, former Michigan quarterback Joe Milton. So there might actually be a three way competition here, and it, it's just going to come down to who's going to run that that fast paced hypo offense. And I think Hooker is going to probably be the one to to get the starting job this year because Bailey obviously has uh, eligibility remaining beyond this year. You mentioned South Carolina, and I said Frank Beamer. Well, his his son, Shane Beamer, is the new head coach at South Carolina. And South Carolina returns their entire defensive line. And they're also bringing in a transfer from, uh, from, I believe, the FBS ranks. His name is Jordan Jordan, I'm sorry, yeah, it's transferred from Georgia State. His name is Jordan Strawn, I think is how you pronounce his name. So they've got their whole defensive line plus 
Jordan Strawn, a pass rusher from, from Georgia State. And they are also returning four-fifths of their offensive line. So up front, on both sides of the ball, South Carolina is bringing back a lot of power. They're also bringing back uh, running back... They're also bringing back their running back, uh, Kevin Harris, who's big-time... And Harris is a... I mean, Harris is a legitimate... He's a big-time... Yeah, he's like yeah, an NFL day, prospect. So yeah, day two prospect coming into this this year. Uh, somebody we'll talk about a little bit more on the Patreon. But South Carolina's got weapons. I think a lot of it comes down to they just haven't been coached well, and then they haven't found a quarterback to put it together consistently. And and if you notice in, in college football, it, it, you you know it's easy to say, but you really go as the quarterback goes unless you've got just interchangeable talent around you and South Carolina's got some talent. I'm actually surprised that they're picked to finish below Tennessee and Missouri. Um, but but like you said, coach, the quarterback you, the quarterback kind of Jody. <laughs> yeah, and, and they don't I don't think they're settled there. And I think even though Tennessee's not either I think they have better talent lined up. And then Missouri certainly is settled where they have uh, the sophomore Connor. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Zalek, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, but, but I mean, they, they've got a guy and, and South Carolina doesn't right now. So, and, and we round out with Vanderbilt. There's not much to say other than they bring in another new head coach, uh, Clark Leah, he was the defense coordinator for Notre Dame. Um, I don't know why these guys leave pre- prestige schools to go try and coach at Vandy. I guess if you just money, get, well, <laughs> and I th- pays. honestly, I think it's because if you have a good season, you, you yeah. usually get a you usually get one of those then those Tennessee South Carolina jobs that you know pay even better. I think Nashville's probably a nice place to live right about now too, so you've got that going for for you yeah. on that job. Um, they were they were winless last year, were they not, Seth? Yeah, and never mind. I won't say anything else. So <laughs> Athlon is <laughs> Athlon is actually projecting them to win a couple games this year, so they're not thinking they're going to be winless. Um, but I don't really, like you said, I don't know much more to say other than they're coming back with a new head coach. We go to the West. And obviously, the first team we're going to talk about is Alabama. So Alabama. Yeah. So the returning national champ or defending national champs, only returning three starters on offense. One of which is Evan Neal. Um, That's pretty know, the crazy. Big, the big offensive lineman. That I mean, let's be honest. Nick Saban was very lucky last year that he had so many guys that wanted to come back and had that bitter taste in their mouth from twenty twenty. Or I guess 2019, right? Like uh, Najee Harris or, or yeah. uh, Devonte Smith. Devontae like those guys Smith didn't have to come Waddell. back, yeah. right? Yeah. Like these guys. I think Waddle come. had to come back. I think oh, he's only right. a sophomore. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, you had I mean Alex Leatherwood. These guys didn't have to come back. Um, they chose to, and I mean, let's be honest, they they made the right decision. <laughs> 
had maybe the greatest offensive season we've ever seen. They all ended up being first-round picks, too. <laughs> and, and, they, and they made it look relatively easy to win a national yeah. championship. And they made Mac Jones a first-round pick, too. So, yeah, he, so he owes them all at least a steak dinner or two. But they're, between the, the newcomers on offense, their defense was young last year. I think that's the one thing. Their defense wasn't great last year, but they were super young. So they're going to have a lot of experience on defense. Um, it's going to have to carry them this year because you look at their schedule and it's potentially a killer. You mentioned the road game at Florida. And then obviously the Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year. Right. But the biggest game on their schedule is they got to go to Texas A&M. And Texas right. A&M, I think it's going to be the media darling in the SEC West because they've got a litany of first-round kids right now in, you know, I think we talked about four guys that are projected to go in the first at least, I would say, 50 picks of the 2022 NFL draft right now. Um, Jimbo Fisher has kind of done what he did at Florida State. He's put together a lot of talent um, and, and kind of quietly continued to produce top 10 seasons and you know, maybe this is the year they strike, and they're number two in the SEC West, and they're going to have a shot, you know, to to knock off Alabama and on their own turf. Well, let's talk about some of their players. That you've got Isaiah Spiller, the star running back. You've got Jalen Weidemeyer, who looks like the, uh, at least he's going to probably be a day two player at tight end, and they've got uh, Aeneas Smith, who's that hybrid slot player, running back receiver. But uh and and then you've got uh Kenyon Green, the offensive lineman, who we've talked about on I think on the Patreon show. So you've got some star power on that offense, but you're still breaking in a new quarterback here. So you've got um I I, I think that's my sticking point with Texas A and M. Like I'm not sure they're gonna be able to make it this is a great opportunity for them because Alabama also has a new starter at quarterback and like we said only three returning starters on offense and they're playing Alabama at home this year golden opportunity but do they have the quarterback play to make it happen and we haven't seen it because they have, are going to have a new starter Calamon was there for the last uh, couple of years and and was taking all the reps so that's my hesitation with uh, Texas A&M Athlon's projecting LSU to make a bit of a comeback into the scene this year and I think LSU they've got a quarterback competition again but this the quarterback competition is between two guys that actually played last year Miles Brennan and then Brad Johnson's son so that appears to be the quarterback competition at LSU but I think LSU unless this scandal that's starting to develop around their program um around Ed uh, Ogeron not reporting the allegations against Darius Geis a couple of years ago. Unless scandal takes hold, I think LSU might actually be able to make some waves this year again. Not national championship type of thing, but be a thorn in people's side. They were clearly down last year, but they've got some talent coming back. Their starting O-line is coming back. Their starting D-line is coming back. And their starting defensive backfield. Like That's a ton of depth. On defense, we know they're, they've reloaded at, at receiver with Keishon Boutte, the sophomore, and uh, Jare Jenkins, who is 
I think a redshirt junior this year, but another guy who was a highly touted recruit. So they've got firepower on offense if they can get the quarterback play, and they've got tons of experience on defense. LSU should be a pretty solid team. From there, uh, we go to Ole Miss, and the top returning quarterback in the SEC, uh, Matt Coral, is... I mean, we talked a little bit about it. Obviously, um, quarterback play is kind of king, but does Ole Miss have enough around Coral to give them any any shot uh, in this conference? Yeah, I think Ole Miss has some some weapons. They got uh, Jaron Ely, the running back. He's a good player. Um, they kind of make their own weapons because of Lane Kiffin's uh, play calling, though. But they've got Jonathan Mingo and uh, Drummond, the two receivers coming back this year. And Coral is going to throw a ton. And he's going to keep throwing even when he makes mistakes. I actually tweeted this earlier today. Um, I I have kind of a running list of, of quarterbacks who've been drafted over the last, since 2010 who have had a five-interception game. So check it out on Twitter. I'm at AFC to NFC if you guys don't already know that. But you can find this tweet, and it's uh, there are some du- some really dubious names, but also Jared Goff and Josh Allen. Matt Coral is the only one who's done it twice. So if he gets drafted this year, he'll become the first guy, as far as I'm aware of, since 2010 to be drafted with two five-plus interception games. He threw five in a game last year and six in a game. So we know that Lane Kiffin's just going to let him sling it. Uh, they do have, like I mentioned, those those are returning players on offense. And those two guys, those two receivers I mentioned, were starters. So, you know, they you lose Elijah Moore, but you still have some veterans in, in the fold. Uh, I think... Ole Miss is going to be one of those teams that's going to be a tough out, but I don't mind where Athlon has them as uh, the fourth best team in this division with an eight and four record. That sounds about right to me. From there, we go to Auburn, who has a new head coach, Brian Harson, and they've got a terrible schedule. A terrible quarter. I mean, a, a returning quarterback. <laughs> Potential uh, number one overall quarterback, according yeah. to uh, uh, Jordan Palmer. And so, when you look at Auburn, I will say they have talent. They've got, and that's probably why they're fifth over the next two teams. But isn't it really hard to see a a team with a new head coach and a quarterback that hasn't had a ton of success in the SEC um, winning as many games as Athlon's projecting. And and they're not projecting a lot. Don't get me wrong. Well, they're, they're projecting seven and five. And I mean, we talk about Auburn's brutal schedule. It includes games at Penn state, LSU, Texas A&M, and then you've got Bama and Georgia at home. So I have to imagine they're projecting Auburn to win off, or to I'm sorry to lose all five of those games, and then you come up with seven and five. But you have to be perfect, otherwise, 
But luckily, they've got Akron and Alabama State on the schedule and Georgia State. So, you know, they've got the Egg Bowl. So those are games that I think it's reasonable to project them to win. Um, Bo Nix, with Harson coming in, I think he's shown with his um, resume at, at Boise State that he's going to be a quarterback-friendly head coach. So maybe Nix with Gus Malzahn just wasn't the right fit, but this is his chance to make it work with Harson. I mean, I think it's crazy that uh, – and I forget what show it was on, but we the hot take was that Jordan Palmer said that Bo Nix is a potential number one overall pick in 2022. I think that's nuts. But we we did talk to, uh, I think that was on our Patreon show, where we talked to Emery Hunt, and he, he mentioned, like, you get these guys in these, he called it moxie games, and there's a moxie game on the road at Penn State. There's a moxie game on the road at uh, Texas A&M. And uh, at home against Alabama, those are all chances for this team to prove doubters wrong and get a couple surprise wins. And if they can do that, I mean, it was, say they say they win a couple of these hell games, they could be nine and three. I mean, it's not going to win the win the SEC, but it's certainly going to be a big step up from where they were last year, where they got uh, Malzahn fired. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm. I'm very intrigued by Auburn just because of that gauntlet that they have to run. And uh, it's going to be tough. Arkansas returns 17 starters, but is projected to finish sixth in the SEC West. Um, is this just everything to do with who Auburn or who Arkansas is at this point? Yeah, you, you see that, and you're like, wow, 17 starters out of 22. Great experience on this team. However, it was a three-win team last year with a first-year head coach. Well, now they're in, in the second year. They're projected to finish sixth in the division, but Athlon's giving them six wins too. So you can look at it in two ways. Sixth place in the division is not good, but a three-win improvement would be good. Uh, but then you have you're going to be breaking in an entire new starting lineup next year, pretty much. So Arkansas, a couple names to mention. Receiver Traylon Burks is probably the most intriguing for me. He's a junior receiver, a big guy, like 6'3", 220. And then uh, Myron Cunningham is projected to be their left tackle. And he actually is going to be 24 years old in the fall. So when he goes into the NFL, he'll be 25. But he was a player that I know uh, some some of the draft Knicks that I talked to were pretty high on him going into last year. And and uh, he's still considered to be a, a draftable offensive tackle. So uh, Arkansas is not going to be a great team, but they're, if they can get a three-win improvement, that's going to be something to work with. We round out the SEC West with the still shocking – Coaching move from Mike Leach, um, year two at Mississippi State. What's his uh, timeline look like? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, this is such a weird hire to me. Um, it's, I, I think from from what I know, Washington State fans who I talked to were kind of done with him there. Um, it was very exciting, I think, for outsiders 
just casual college football fans or draft nicks like ourselves to see the SEC bring in Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin in the same year. And, and, and then to know that those guys have to face each other every year in the Egg Bowl. But um, I don't know what, like what kind of promise this Leach hiring holds for Mississippi State because I know like one of their most talented players last year was running back Kylan Hill, and Leach turned him into a just a dump off back, you know, like he does with his running backs. It's it's a it's that uh, it's that offense that he runs, man, and it alienated Hill. Of course, Hill probably hurt his stock by you know, pouting his way out of the team. But I also think he was put in a very tough situation where he was a a primo SEC running back, and now all of a sudden he's being asked to just become this satellite back in in the Mike Leach show. So I don't know what the future holds for this this team. It seems – I mean, I think it's still going to be fun, but remember there were games last year where you had like K.J. Costello throwing for 600 yards and – get everyone hyped up and then the next week he throws like three picks in the first quarter something like that it's i don't think this is going to work out long term i just don't it's not that's not sec football it's just he's uh, i think they're going to be athlon has them winning six games this year i could see them winning you know four or three i think they're going to kind of be a doormat in this uh in this western division Before we head out of here, uh, any last overall thoughts on the SEC heading into the 2021 college football season? I think this could be – I think this is going to be a year where the SEC only gets one team in, and it's, yeah, I could it's see that team. Whoever wins the SEC title game. What do you yeah, say? because I, I, I really don't see any of these teams except possibly if Georgia beats Clemson, Georgia could be undefeated. But I don't think any of the other SEC teams, including Alabama, will go through their schedule undefeated this year. So uh, I could I could even see Alabama losing a couple games, uh, especially if uh, they lose the SEC championship game. So this could be a year – This to me, this is a year where the SEC is only going to get one – team in and we know that the committee is perfectly comfortable with putting two of their teams in um, but they're going to have to dig a little deeper this year because I think it's going to come down to that I think it's going to come down to a Georgia Alabama SEC championship game and uh, Georgia has the edge and experience at least on the offensive side of the ball and before we get out of here a crazy hot take to think of uh, as we you know, get into the college football season and everything like that. Um, and this will also ruin your night if you are listening to it. Um, Drake or Patrick's son took his official visit to Alabama. So, <laughs> what? Dr- Drake or Patrick was a player on Nick Saban's first national championship team and now his is being recruited by Saban to Tuscaloosa so Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. is a 2024 athlete um, and his dad was recruited in 2009 (laughs) so 
uh, obviously good genes there, but you guys are all very old. If you remember talking about Drake or Patrick in twenty the twenty twelve draft season because his son's now uh, getting recruited by Nick Saban <laughs> in Alabama. So that's I know it's not a hot take per se, but just to throw some cold water on anybody that's feeling young this summer. <laughs> well, certainly I'm not included in any category of feeling young, but that still blows my mind. So uh, I guess we'll leave it at that this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be it from us. Remember, if you want the extra show we do every week, uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, for $2 a month, you get the extra show. $4 a month, Justin's been producing uh, prospect previews for each of the top five programs in the country as rated by ESPN. Um, and then we're going to start doing some overall uh, SEC, DC, Big Ten, Big 12. We might even do, like, the best prospects in the Pac-12, even though there's, like, three of them. So, uh, I'm going I'm yeah. to try and work my way through the top 25. Um, right now, I'm working on Iowa State. That should be up uh, later in the week. We got Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia are all already up there. So that's uh, our $4 tier, what we call, of course, generational. So if you want all of that content, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. Like we said, 4 bucks a month. Uh, get rid of one cup of coffee. Uh, but we appreciate you listening now. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with our next preview as we head into preview season. Uh, Thanks for listening as always, guys. Have a good night. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean... I don't know yet. We'd pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um